Well, hey, today we are in Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. Guess what? I'm not going to make you stand. And somebody said, thank you, Jesus. Because you stood for a long time and you worshiped the Lord. So I'm going to give you a break. But if you have a copy of the scriptures, I'm reading now the NIV. Listen to God's word. Just a few verses. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through this same struggle you saw I had, and now you hear that I still have. God's word here to the church at Philippi. We were, have been talking about, this is the epistle from the Apostle Paul, the epistle of joy. <clears throat> and joy despite circumstances, joy despite many things, and, and even today it's joy in the midst of our suffering. You know, the scripture is real clear that to believe, to believe, uh, trans, other translations go into trust. We believe in Christ. We, we trust in Jesus. But then he goes, but we also might suffer you know, one writer says that I might believe in the power of the gospel and, and that, that, that we believe. And we're like, man, I love that belief stuff. And we might know the fellowship of his resurrection, the power of the resurrection. You go, man, I love resurrection. And then he goes, and then the fellowship of his suffering. You're going, I don't like that suffering stuff. And you could turn to the person next to you, but don't and go, suffering, why don't you take on some for me this week? I mean, suffering is just not fun. And this morning, I'm going to close out a little different. We're going to talk about the persecuted church because <clears throat> I don't think the body of Christ prays for the persecuted church. I've learned that there's over 200 million Christians that confess the name of Christ that are being persecuted around the world this morning for Jesus. And yet, you know, our, our toughest persecution is really kind of light. Maybe it's going to get greater in this nation. Who knows? We're, we're in a mess. But look at the message question right there in the box at the top of your outline. It says, do you enhance the gospel or do you detract from the gospel? It's a real simple question. Do I enhance, do I make it attractive or do I just detract? I'm a distraction. I, I, I blemish the name of Christ. I mean, that is, that is convicting. You're like, man, I'm compelled. My life is, is Jesus. And to live for him, to live as Christ, to die as gain, as we saw earlier there in Philippians 1, 21. Or you could say, you know, my witness is, has been kind of poor lately, Pastor, or my witness has been poor for a long time. But today would be a great day to say, Lord, I want to return to the lover of my soul. I want to return to that one we sang about, that you're a good father. I don't know about you, but I, I believe that this morning there's a war on. Do y'all believe there's a war on for our Christian faith? Does anybody believe that but me? We're being attacked on every front. And the power the enemy is strong, but I know the power of Christ is even greater. And in verses 27 through 30 here, he talks about standing fast, striving together against our adversaries and our enemies. And you're saying, well, pastor, I'm going to write all my enemies down on my prayer card and turn them in. No, 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 don't do that. And, and I know you're saying, well, they're my enemy. She's my enemy. He's my enemy. Let me tell you, there's an enemy that is invisible. There's an, an enemy of your soul this morning. He is Satan and all his demonic army. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to annihilate the church of the living Christ. But we're overcomers. We're more than conquerors through him who first loved us. And yet, when I look at this this morning, and when I look at it every day, I think about, 
what one writer says. Paul says the Word of God categorically tells us that the Christian life is not a picnic, it's not a playground, but it's a battleground. Some of you are like, man, I thought the church was all about fried chicken. Well, I mean, that's a part of it. And we, I, I don't know if they had fried chicken there with Mary and Martha. I think they did. I, I don't know. I can't prove that from the Greek. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't say. But I think they had, you know, something really good. But it, it doesn't matter what they had. It's, it's a battleground. And when, when you go to a battleground, and it's tough. Um, you know, I'm, I think about our lives and our military. We have so many military in our church that come and in and out and, 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 and they've been deployed and they get deployed and they fight for us and they're in arms way all the time and they know about physical battle. But friends, there's a lot greater battle going on this morning. It's spiritual. In spiritual places, <clears throat> there's great oppression to come against the church of the living Jesus. It really is. And I just think, Lord, how do we overcome and we can under the banner of the cross. And I just wrote down some things here. A well-framed life based on verses 27 through 30, that, that section that I read to you. I see how we can frame our life. And the first blank would be our conduct. What is our conduct? Do you, I don't know if they do it anymore. I don't think they do. Uh, Hannah, do y'all still give conduct grades? Boy, I heard that teacher. She said, I do. And, and you do. And I don't know about you, but... How many of you did really well in conduct? Yes. Well, I hate you in Jesus. No, no. I, you know, I did pretty good academically, but conduct sometimes I would struggle a little bit with that. I know you can't imagine that, me being such a passive guy and not much energy. And, and I would assist my teachers and my playmates. And, and one of my jobs was to be the class clown it, when I was younger. And then I learned that wasn't very smart. But conduct grades, I can remember get talking to, in elementary school, my parents would say, son, you're not, you're not stupid, you're, you're making good grades, but what are some of these conduct grades? I go, but I'm having so much fun when I go to school every day. And, and then my teachers, I think it's why I like to use red today, they would get their red pens and they would write me little remarks that were not encouraging. Basically like, Keith doesn't stay in his seat. <clears throat> I know, some of you are like, thank God, I, I don't have you. And then, and then my daughter's a teacher. I, you know, she's awesome. Okay, okay. So we, we, we contend for the faith. This, this conduct here. Christians are to fight for the gospel. I'm talking about the biblical gospel. There's a lot of gospels out there that are called good news, but they're not biblical, and they're, they're filled with error. In the book of Jude, I preached that a long time ago, and it's talked, it talks about contend for your faith. Fight for your faith. Know that your faith is based in the word of God. And the church said, <clears throat> amen. You're saying, well, I don't know what I believe. Then become a person of God's word. Begin to study that. Get a Bible study with other Christians. But the individual Christian, the Christ follower, is to be able to de defend his faith and fight for that which he knows he believes and why. And see, there's been this thing for years. It's, it's, just, it's just, I don't like it. It says, well... You know, you can just be sincere in what you believe. And just and you know what? This is what I've always believed. You can be sincerely wrong. You, you can believe a lot of things and, they, and they're, they're platitudes. And they make you feel good. And they make you feel happy. And they're filled with error. So we have to know, God, we want to love your word. We want to, uh, and we live in an age that's called the PC age, political correctness. You can probably care, tell, I could care less about PC. I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to preach the full word of God. And if I'm politically correct, great. If I'm not, 
Get over it. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to stand for what God stands for. Christians need to stand for the word of God. Amen? And I'm telling you, Christians, don't you know, I might offend somebody. You offend them in the, in the love of Christ. I'm not saying be a jerk. Now, there's a lot of jerks out there. And turn to the person and say, you're a jerk. No, no, don't do that. <clears throat> I, I know about jerky Christians, and, and, and they don't make Jesus look good. They're unattractive. People don't come to faith because of our rudeness and some of that. I'm not, I'm not giving you a license to go, man, I like that message today. That was awesome. You told us to go out and do battle and, and slander people. No, 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 I didn't say that. Be attractive in your witness for Christ. But you know, the world would like to tell you and I there's no absolutes, and there are absolutes, friend. A lot of times people go, well, I think it's just full of gray. <laughs> you had not read the Bible. There's a lot of authority from this book, and there's a lot of absolutes that I anchor my life, tether my life to. It's the plumb line of my heart. And if I know I'm in line with that, then I'm in a alignment with him. I'm doing good, and you're doing good. But when I depart from this book, from this law, I'm sunk, and so are you. So, Lord, help us to, to be after what you want. The gospel of the Bible is the gospel that God delivered to the apostles a long time ago. And today, we are defend this sacred text to the age. In 2016, in the years that the Lord tarries. I don't know, but I think about, uh, you've heard the, the phrase that people often wear clothes that are becoming to them. You know, people come in already this morning. I, I don't know your name, and I hope you come back. And, and I probably shouldn't do this. They trained us in seminary not to, but you can remember. But you have the nicest hat. I just love it. And you came in, and I told you I adorned your hat. I, I just thought it was cool. I wish I had a hat, you know. And then Chris, he's on our stage, and he can get away with a hat. I wear a hat, but... You know, I got a big head. So anyway, that's another story. But here's the deal. <clears throat> her hat, her hat looks great. Your, your clothes look nice. You, you know, and sometimes you wear this and it's very becoming of you. But have you ever put on something that was less than becoming? And if you're married, did your spouse tell you? And aren't you glad? Yeah. I, I remember raising the girls with Donna. I, I so married. You see, here, here's a, a, a prerequisite for kids. Teenagers, marry up, marry over your head. I'll punch your coverage, okay? But I, I remember the girls would come to me and say, Dad, Dad, you're not going to wear that in public, are you? And I'm sitting there going, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking I'm look good. They're like, Dad, that's embarrassing. You're our father. Go in and change. <clears throat> that's embarrassing when they're six years old and 10 and 12 and 18 and 27 and 31. So we have these little uh, animals now, and I match them. No, no, we don't, we don't do that. But I do have a problem sometimes with certain colors. And, and, and Donald just looked and she goes, it's not a good day, you know. I said, okay. But I remember when the girls said, hey, Dad, don't go out, don't wear that. But I, I thought, it's funny for me to tell you that story. You're like, oh, so you have fashion help. Yes, thank you. Amen, yeah. But I'm asking you, do you have spiritual help? When you detract from the gospel, the people go, that did not look very good on you. Your attitude stunk. Your pride was high. Your flesh was roaring, 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 something. <clears throat> I'm having a hard time. Whatever it was. Woman, hear me roar. No, that's Helen Reddy. Okay, that was a song. Okay. All right, we, we wear stuff. I think you would agree with me, though. Sometimes Christians are the most damaging thing to the gospel of Jesus. Because their life is filled with hypocrisy and sin. 
And I'm not trying to say we're perfect. We, the Bible says, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven. And when I first read that, I went, be perfect? Like, man, I'm not perfect. My friends aren't perfect. And this church ain't perfect. Nobody's perfect. The better translation would be, be mature as your Father in heaven is mature. Lord, I want to mature. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's becoming. I don't want to get political today, but here's all I'm going to say. Some of the rhetoric that I'm hearing on both sides and of how we're not edifying people made in the image of Christ is disgusting to me right now. It's time that we ought to focus on issues and not trying to tear people down. And the church said, I don't know about you, but it, it conflicts my Christian faith. When it, And then if I'm not careful, I want to get on a bandwagon. I'm like, oh, the Lord's like, man, that's not the conduct. Your conduct is critical. Just star around their conduct. In, in, in the Greek, it's politheo. It, it means a manner worthy. It means politics, a policy. We proclaim we live in a manner worthy of Christ. That's a high calling. And it's possible through the aid and the power of the Holy Spirit, not where we bicker or, or fuss with each other at church or in lines or at school or whatever. We say, God, I want to believe you. I want to trust you on my life. I read this. It says, let people read your life. Let them see Christ in your life. Let them see the gospel at work in your life that you give the best opportunity to share Christ with them. No literature, no book is a substitute better than your very own life. A lot of times people are saying, what's the best book of apologetics? And I love apologetics. And you're saying, what's the best Christian book here? And what's the best book of scripture? And Like I can tell you, best book of scripture. And what's the best, best, best? Okay. But our best life is, or our best read is our life. People are reading your life and mine right now. <clears throat> I remember when I came to Jesus, I was radical. I would got radically saved, transferred from the dominion of darkness, and Jesus had become my whole life. I was so proud of my Savior. And I would share him with everybody, but what I didn't know was I was marked on my university campus, and people would come up to me, and after the first six months to a year, I would have some interesting conversations, and they're going, you have become a Jesus freak. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a 70s kid. I'm going, hey, man, that's cool, dude. You're a dope head, you know? Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. And they go, man, you're a freak. I'm like, yeah. And they go, man, you're doing this. But then they would say this. They go, we are watching your life. We're watching to see if it matches with what you say because you're radical about this man named Jesus. I wish people still came up to me with the same abandonment to ask me and go man this Jesus that you follow wow tell me more I'm just wondering the life that you and I lead if it's consistent with the gospel people are going to ask us what is it why you have a hope that I don't have I want him the, an unknown writer I don't know who it is but they said you're writing a gospel a chapter each day by the deeds that you do in the words that you say men read what you write whether faithful or true just what is the gospel according to you I like that. What's the gospel according to Robert? What's the gospel according to Jim? What's the gospel according to Nancy? What's the gospel according to Taylor? What's the gospel according to LeBaron? Some of you are going, if he does this long enough, he's going to call everybody his name in a room. I was thinking about it. What's the gospel according to you? Just write that in the, in the margin today. What's the gospel according to me? Because people are reading your life and they want to go, does Jesus make a difference? And I would say he does. Look at the second point, <clears throat> verse 27. Cooperation. As I was studying this, it means they, they stand together. They, they strive together. There's teamwork. Yet Don and I have this passion. 
We love to watch women's basketball for the AUM Warhawks. It is just, a, and, and here's what's really funny. My wife does not like sports, but she likes me. And she likes the fellowship connected with sports, but she's fallen in love with the Davises and their basketball team over the last several years. And we go to six, seven, or eight games a year. And it is a joy. And on a, a Saturday afternoon, we will try to work our schedule to go watch them. It's, it's just fun. But let me tell you, this, this, is, this is why I tell you this story. I watch these girls, and they're well-coached, and they're great athletes. They know how to position themselves and pass the ball. It's teamwork. It's a team sport. They work the ball. They, and, and when you're watching, how many of you are going to watch March Madness this month? Yeah, and your wife's going to beat you, but it'll be okay. And, uh, but, you know, great teamwork. It wins basketball games. Great teamwork wins in the body of Christ. Amen? And as I look at this, it goes, working the ball, passing the wrong, line up. You know, and when I, I remember studying about the armor of God one time in battles. And they would have these, these shields, and these shields would interlock one with the other all across that it would form one solid barrier. And I thought, they were together. What happens when you and I come together as the body of Christ? We strive together. The church wins. Jesus gets a lot of glory. The gospel looks a little more encouraging. And look at the next one, courage. The, the, the courage there is so exciting. Another word would just be bravery. How I preached weeks ago, so I won't really talk about courage a lot, but I'll say, how courageous are you this morning? How brave are you today in your faith? You know, Acts records it. They were bold. There was a holy boldness that came over the men. And they had courage, and they had recognized, they were astonished that these men had been with Jesus. And when I think about your life and I, when I'm with Jesus, I look more like my father. And when I'm not with Jesus, I don't. Okay. Hey, guys, let me just tell you, I know that doesn't bother you. Yesterday, I did this funeral at First Methodist, and I walk up to the podium, and a wasp comes in right to greet me with my iPad. I said, get out of here, demon. And, and when that just came, I thought I saw another wasp. I'm like, what is it? I take a shower every day, and these bugs are attracted to me. I don't know what it is. Okay, <clears throat> I'm sorry, we just got to get that out of the way. That was messing with me. I flipped it on my ear, and I saw him there, and if another one comes, this service is over. Okay. <laughs> hey, let, let, let's, let's look at a verse. Let's get back to it. Okay, Joshua 1.9. Hey, I got ADD. That's why I got bad conduct grades. Okay. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. But don't be afraid, believer. All through the New Testament, Jesus, do not fear. This morning, fear has settled in on some of you. Cast off your fear. Cast your fears. Cast your worries on the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Okay? You say, well, I want to be courageous. I want to be an example. I want to be a model. You know, another thing is, look at 2 Timothy 1.7. For the Spirit of God, what does it do? He gave us, uh, the Spirit He gave us did not make us timid, but He gave us power and love and self-discipline. I love that the Lord gives us uh, discipline. He gives us that power under control when we follow Him. In the Greek, when you look at this, it says they were, they were terrified by their adversaries. They were frightened. They were intimidated. Have you ever been intimidated in a situation? Some people master in bullying and, and intimidating you. It's a great tactic in athletics. It really is. And 
but it's, but it's not very attractive in life when somebody tries to intimidate you, to, to coerce you to do something that you don't want to do. In the Greek, it means the horse would shy away from the battle. The horseman maybe looked like a champion, but when it got it to the line ready for battle, it would pull away from, it would shy away from. You don't want that horse in battle. You don't want that horse in conflict. And, and, and I'm thinking about some of us are just fearful. We shy away from the conflict. And Jesus says, there's joy <clears throat> in your suffering. Don't shy away from your suffering. Embrace your suffering as a faithful soldier of Jesus Christ and go after him. I remember a story that I read some decades ago. And I went back to it. It's uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. If you've ever read about the martyrs of faith, it's, it's in a fascinating read. Now, you probably want to be above 12 years old because it's pretty gruesome. So if you're above 12 today, I just gave you a warning, or you should go over to our children's ministry. Telemachus, back in the 5th century, was a monk in, at that time. And his story first caught my attention in some readings. And so I went and did some research on this week, and I just loved it. And it talks about that he lived with a reckless abandonment to Jesus Christ. He, he loved the Lord and he had wondered what the world would look like if Christians influenced culture instead of culture influencing Christians. And let's stop there. I'm, I hate to tell you, but I think culture is winning in 2016. And it's influencing the church more than the church is influencing culture. And I'd say it's high time that the church took back culture and the power of Christ. That's pretty good preaching. Even if I sound like Kermit. I mean, I'm trying to tell you something here. Because cultural, cultural Christianity is not biblical Christianity. I'm talking about the real deal here. But listen to Telemachus. He, the gladiators were often slaves or political prisoners who condemned, were condemned to fight each other unto death for the amusement of their spectators. And they would, grab, they would gravitate to these arenas. And the sight of blood and gore on the uh, floor of the arena just seemed to encourage people but there was this uh, emperor honorus who was a christian he sponsored the games and, and and many that even called themselves christians would go to the games to see it would be an exact opposite of an attractive witness for christ and the cruelty of the gladiatorial games in in those big uh, roman coliseums and so the cruelty of these games was just rough but telemachus realized that that this evil talking about it was not enough. He thought, I've got a voice, <clears throat> and I have to do something about it. But he had no power over the Roman emperor or the Roman empire. So one day, he was in prayer, and, and the Holy Spirit impressed on him, encouraged him, nudged him to, to do something. So he ends up in, in the big arena, and he's there with the people, and he's being swept along by the crowds, and the, and the people are screaming. You know, they were used to the, to the beasts killing the people and the beasts killing the Christians, and here gladiators would fight to their death, and, and the people would cheer, and he just thought, man, this, this is sick, man. This is wrong. This is, this is not what I, I want to be a part of. So he says, I have to do something. Listen to this. So he ran down the steps of the arena, wherever he was sitting, and he jumped into the arena. And as he did, he yelled out these words, stop, stop, in the name of Christ, I beg you to stop. And they, and they say that silence swept over the crowd, and the people were like, who is this scrawny little monk 
telling us to stop our games. I don't know if they said it like that, but it, I, I thought it made sense. Okay. And they're like, man, down with him. Let's kill him. We, we don't need him. And they begin to throw projectiles of stones and stuff at him. And this guy to his death, and they killed him. But right before he died, he managed to have enough voice to yell one more time. Stop, stop, in the name of Christ, I beg you to stop shedding blood. And he died. And then something happened in this great arena. One person realized what they had become. And he exited the arena. And then another, and then another, and then another. And the arena emptied out. And then the emperor did something noble. He put an end to the gladiatorial games of the day because of one monk that had a voice. And I've wondered about your voice and mine. Together it's loud, but even individually, one voice makes a difference. Do you believe that today, church? Your voice makes a difference. So, the conduct there, they cooperated with God, with the Holy Spirit. They had courage. And the last one is, they were a people of confidence. They had great confidence. They, uh, they were stable. They were strong. There, there's a couple of verses. John 16, 33 will come up on the screen. And I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus knew, I was reading this morning in my own quiet time in, in Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, and blessed are they that are persecuted for my name's sake. Jesus is into persecution. Jesus is into us suffering. It's, it's part of the gospel. And now, I know when people come to faith, you don't go, now, if you come to Jesus and your sins will be forgiven, you'll go to heaven, and you're going to make a lot of money, and you're going to marry the girl of your dreams, and you're going to have a big job, and you're going to drive a big beamer, and on and on. That is, that is not gospel. You just made that stuff up. But you don't usually tell people when they come to faith. You come to faith and you're going to suffer. I mean, I wonder how those invitations would go. And now, as you receive Christ, may there be a spirit of suffering upon you, brother. Go in Jesus' name. you got to count the cost there. But here's the suffering here. So there's this 2 Timothy 3.12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life, and I pray that that's you, in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So remember this. Scripture attests to the fact that if you and I live for Christ based solidly on our relationship with him, founded in Christ, we'll be persecuted. She's part of it, and I think it's picking up today. So we, we begin to teach people to suffer well. The theology of suffering is life is hard, but God is good. Write it down. I love what Chip Ingram said. Life is hard, but God is good. Do you believe that today? I do. Life's very hard. It's filled with trouble and challenges and tribulation. But God is good. And we trust him and we, we run to him. In John 16, 33, in the world you will have tribulation, trouble, difficulty. But be of good cheer, cheer up, because I've overcome the world. The psalmist says, the Lord is a sun and a shield to me. And He no good thing has he withheld from you and me to those that love him and walk uprightly. I know that the Lord promises to be with us uprightly when we walk with him in integrity and honor and we trust him. So, Lord, you'll use things. You know, a lot of times people say, well, pastor, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. Okay, I understand that. That's a Western world thought. I want to be happy. I want you to be happy. 
everybody be happy. Let's all hold hands and let's all sing together. Be happy. And, you know, we could all dance around like a bunch of sunshines. I don't know. <clears throat> but I want you to remember this. Be holy. Be holy. That's what Jesus wants. I mean, I think Jesus likes happiness. And happier those that seek God, happier those that will see him on and on. But I think Jesus is holiness. Holiness is what I long for in the people of faith. And it might be painful, it might be difficult, it might be a betrayal, it might be hard. But in 1 Peter, Jesus says, But to this you were called, I left you an example, walk in, follow in my steps. So Jesus, we just want to follow in your steps. And following in your steps means there's going to be suffering for the journey sometimes. You ever notice sometimes you, you meet somebody and they never suffer? Now, if, if we could be real honest, that just ticks me off sometimes. I'm like, Dad, gummit. I read the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I preach the Word of God. I give. I do this. I do that. They don't even get a cold. They don't get sick. They got money. They come over and show me their new car every year. I'm sick of it. I mean, you know, I, you know that's just the way I feel sometimes. So you're saying, well, I ain't showing him when I get a new car. No, no, no. I'll rejoice with you. That's great. That's great. But if you're a bum, I might have a hard time with it. But, but that's okay. The, the, the thing is, Lord, I want what you want. And Lord, suffering's part of it. Some of the strongest Christians I meet are the ones that suffer the most. I think about a young woman today, and I tell you, when I watch her on video and I hear about her, and I've met her several times, it's Pastor Jay Wolf of First Baptist, his daughter-in-law. Catherine Wolf is a saint. She loves Jesus. She suffers physically, but let me tell you, it has not hindered the testimony. You just Google, I can't remember the name of her ministry, but just Google Catherine Wolf and it'll come up and you watch it. This girl was like a beauty queen, actress in Hollywood. Her husband was going to Pepperdine Law School. Everything was perfect for them. And she had this massive stroke deal and surgeries upon surgeries. And I tell you what, the light of Christ, I've never seen burn brighter than I see radiating through this woman of faith. Matter of fact, if I could, I'd have had her come this morning. I, I thought about it over the last several weeks. I said, man, I wish she was going to be in Montgomery during this time. I would have loved for her to come talk about suffering. Because, boy, she knows that she magnifies Jesus. So we were called to that example. I hope that encourages you this morning. You know, I, I could go on and on about this. I'm, I'm, I'm just excited about it, but I want to say this. God <clears throat> is absolutely sovereign over your suffering and mine. And whatever we're going through, the Father has allowed that for the purpose of conforming me, shaping me to the image of Jesus. And, and some of you have to go through some really hard things, and I've been through some hard things. I mean, losing your mom at nine years old is a hard thing, friend. That was my suffering early on. And I've had some suffering, but man, it's nothing compared to the sufferings of some of you. And you're my heroes. But when we do it in community, when we do it as a family of God, and we're on a journey, and we await the prize that awaits us in Christ Jesus. Oh man, we go, Lord, we, we can do this. We can believe you. I like what this guy named St. Nikolai, isn't that a great name? Nikolai Valimorovich. Ah, man, who knows? I, I I think he was Russian. But anyway, I just murdered that, didn't I? I don't think I took that class in Emory. Okay. In place of death, God gives healing through suffering. Suffering is God's way of healing the soul of its sinful leprosy and its death. But God gives healing through suffering. He heals our soul sometimes through suffering. You go, but I don't want my friend to suffer. I don't want him to suffer either. But Jesus is, knows what's best. 
He really does. He's a good father. So I think the scripture would teach us that we need to sit with Christ through our suffering. So next time you're going through a suffering situation, say, blessed are those that are persecuted and suffer for the namesake of the gospel. And Lord, it says, for it has been granted, it has been grace to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. So this morning, this is maybe not an easy word to hear, but it's a biblical word. It's the word in season for our souls. And we go, Lord, I will trust you. There's an artist that I was introduced to months ago. She's become my new Carrie Job. Her name's Lauren Daigle. And I listened to her CD over and over and over. And she has this one song. It says, I will trust in you when you don't move the mountain. I'll trust in you when you don't part the water, when you don't give me answers as I cry out to you. I will trust in you. And I hear that song. I'll be riding down the road. I'm like, Lord, I got a mountain. You need to move it. That mountain just is there. And I'll hear that song and my soul will just well up. And I'll go, but God, you're a good father. And that's my favorite song. And I believe it. And I believe scripture. And I believe you're sovereign. And I believe you rule. And if you don't move the mountain, I'm going to trust your holy name. And I'm going to bless you, God. And man, joy just starts leaking out of my soul. But sometimes I don't do that. God, there's a mountain. And it's going to crush me. Could you move it? And sometimes I get mad, but I quickly repent. And I find, Lord, it doesn't matter what happens in the suffering. I'm going to trust you. And somebody's there right now. You're having a hard time. So let me give you this, and the team's going to come. Get the team to come on up. The persecuted church. I just want to give you some things you can write in the margin because I, I, <clears throat> I found this, and it was too good about the persecuted church. We need to pray for persecuted believers. Write down Ephesians 1.18. Begin to pray Ephesians 1.18 over the persecuted church. Pray that the Holy Spirit would strengthen them, the persecuted church, Ephesians 3.16. Pray that the persecuted church would share the gospel, Ephesians 6.19. And then I found this thing I thought was so good about through suffering, through persecution, there's some scriptural prayers in the book of Philippians. And some of you are prayer warriors and intercessors, and all of us should be. So let me give you some scriptures that are not going to be your regular scriptures to pray, but they can help you praying for those that are suffering and those that are persecuted. They're all in Philippians. Philippians 1, 12 through 14. Pray that the advancement of God's kingdom would go forth. Philippians 1, 12 through 14. Also pray Philippians 1:20 that the Lord would be exalted, whether in life or death, the Lord would be praised. Praise Philippians 3, 7 through 10, that we will abandon ourselves for the glory of Christ, that we'll come into deeper relationship with Jesus through the suffering. And the last one is Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, that God would fill the heart of the persecuted believer, the persecuted church with peace. And that's what I pray today as we come to an end that your heart would abound in the peace of Jesus and he would guard it against that day that you would entrust even your suffering to Jesus <clears throat> I don't know what's ahead for us friends individually maybe not even corporately but I do know this Jesus is faithful 
and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living Christ. Let's pray. Lord, it is so good to be in your house in a place of freedom today. And when I think about that word freedom, you died to set the captives free. Set us free in the grace and the presence of Christ today. Set us free from disease and harm and poor attitudes and habitual sin. Set us free from ourselves. But Lord, when we suffer, help me. (coughs) Excuse me. Help me and my friends to embrace you in the suffering. For Jesus, I want to be a Christian that loves you in the good and the bad, in the hard and the blessed. I want to bless the name of Jesus Christ. I want to walk in a place of freedom.